This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want to talk to you about the authority of the believer, the authority of the believer. And uh, kind of the byline is enforcing the enemy's defeat with the power that God has given to us. God has given us the mandate to enforce the defeat of our enemies that Jesus purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. The degree to which we are successful or not is the degree degree to which we understand the authority that's been given to us and are willing to operate in it. You see, we have to understand that the authority that you and I carry is not based on our own power, our own ability, but but in Christ Jesus and him alone. In the name of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, and weapons of warfare that are the word of God, the armor of God, God has equipped you and I. But if we don't take advantage of that, we end up being defeated by our enemies, or at least silenced by our enemies, or intimidated by our enemies. You see, when we fail to pray in line with the word of God, we hinder it, and in some cases, we nullify our prayers. You know, one of the greatest prayers that we could learn to pray is the prayer of faith. Many Christians don't know how to pray the prayer of faith. In fact, I'm concerned at some of the prayers that I hear some of you pray because although I think we've become very good at intercession, I'm not sure that we've really understood how powerful the prayer of faith really is. So today I want to lead you into some understanding about the prayer of faith. I want to lead you into some understanding about the authority that God's given you and what happens when you pray in line with the word of God. In light of the issues that our nation is facing, I believe that there are some very critical points that we must face and understand and look at if God is going to hear our prayers and if our nation has a chance to move forward and be healed. First of all, we have to understand that God never does anything in secret and God never does anything without, first of all, letting his prophets know what's going to happen. That's how you know a true prophet from a false prophet. You know, I can't believe how many times we run to these guys that prophesy and then it doesn't happen. Or they prophesy along political lines. You know, some of these things aren't prophecies, folks. Some of them are good guesses. Some of them are politically motivated. Some of them are financially motivated. But real prophets have a track record, they declare things, and those things over a period of time, they come to pass. They come to pass. Amos 3 and verse 7 says this, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servant, the prophets. What is it that God's been saying through his prophets? You know, I, uh, I often 
go back over all the prophecies that have been spoken over our ministry. Personally, in fact, last night, Pastor Bonnie has been working in her office. She's been cleaning out her office. And uh, she brought all these videos home of people prophesying over our ministry, over our lives, over the nation. But I think of going back to when we sent our intercessors to Guatemala. And uh, while they're in Guatemala, where's Pastor Nikki? She's in Joburg, okay. All right, because she's usually sitting right here somewhere. She, in fact, you're sitting in her seat. I'm looking for her, you know. <laughs> it's her. He's sitting in her seat. Okay, yeah. Uh, you're sitting in Vic's seat. <laughs> yeah, so, but in Guatemala, we sent our intercessors unannounced. In fact, nobody really knew anybody from Zimbabwe was there. And these, and, 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 and uh, a woman who's a fairly well-known prophet prophesied over our intercessors for the nation. And this spread throughout our whole country. It was known as the Guatemala prophecy. And what's important isn't the prophet. What's important is the prophecy. Don't you understand that we don't follow prophets, we follow prophecy? We got to get this right, guys. The prophets are to equip the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Not so that they can lead you by the nose everywhere you go and, and, and you have to have another prophecy to do the next thing. No, they're to equip you so that you can understand who you are, what God's intentions are, and he's revealed things to you through the prophet so you can do something, not so that the prophet can take some more money from you and do something else with you. Which is most of these modern day prophets are doing is they're simply merchandising and anointing, sometimes a divination. Now, just don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good right now. <laughs> Tap your neighbor, say, you know, I think he's starting to make sense. This is about the 50th time I've heard this. It's finally sinking in. <laughs> See, I, I tell you, most Christians don't want to take responsibility in their own right. They don't want to be the one in authority or held accountable for what happens or doesn't happen. They would rather have a man of God. Just like the children of Israel. We just read it in the daily reading. Moses, you talk to God. Moses, you tell what God wants. Moses, get a man of God to tell me what I'm supposed to do. No, that's not how God works. God says, listen, I'll have a man of God teach you. He'll equip you. I'll get the prophets to guide you, to direct you. But you are responsible. You grow up. I'm going to speak through them to teach you to how to hear my voice, but eventually I'm going to speak to you to hear my voice, and you must be responsible. Come on. You're going to be equipped. But God does show things to prophetic people. I thank God that we have so many prophetic voices in our church. I was listening to Bishop Vaughn. My goodness, he came and he spoke a prophetic word over our nation. I was, speaking to, I was thinking of, of, of Ron Kuzmo all the way back in the 80s and, and, and Dave Newberry and these men that came through speaking about this country, how Zimbabwe would become the breadbasket again of Africa, how we would become the banking center of Africa. I'm thinking, what? And today I'm thinking, we, God, let's, we, we do need a miracle, don't we? But... We either believe what God said or we figure something else out. I have to believe that God is operating in such a way as 
that with all the foolishness you see, when it, when, when it comes right, it's gonna, everybody's going to have to stand up and say, <laughs> we know it wasn't us. It had to be God. It had to be God. But I don't know that we're going to see that come to pass if we don't do some things. First of all, we have to believe what these prophetic words say. And they don't just happen because they're spoken. No prophecy in your life will ever come to pass just because it was spoken. There is always a corresponding action that is required in order for prophecy to come to pass in your life. Prophecy, once received, needs to be prayed about and spoken and warred with, which is called intercession until it comes to pass. Our government needs intercession. Simply means, simply put, it means this, that we need to stand in their stead and acknowledge our government's and our government leaders' sinfulness along with our own sinfulness and direct our prayers in such a way that we ask God for the salvation of their souls and that the cloud that blinds their minds be removed from them, that they could see the truth and lead the nation in righteousness. You see, we have to understand that most of our government ministers and leaders openly have covenanted with the powers of darkness and the forces of darkness and they're under demonic influence and demonic interference. And this is primarily due to all of the blood sacrifices that they make in the high places and now no longer do they hide it, they openly demonstrate it and talk about it and it's common knowledge for all of us. And then they pay token tribute to the Almighty God because they're trying to cover all of their bases. Well, our prayers have to be around praying for them to come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, a knowledge of Almighty God, and for them to genuinely repent from all other gods. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2, the Bible says about you and I, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but from God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Who therefore, or whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive unto themselves damnation. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned at the level of damnation on our nation. I'm concerned at the level of poverty, the level of confusion, and the level of demonic activity. And even upon many of you in the church. Now, let me tell you something. I, I think there's a big difference between constructively criticizing policies with an intent to assist and help and make a difference and then shouting off on every Twitter feed that you can find and every social media and 
slinging off at stuff you have no idea what you're talking about. I think that when you do that, the Bible talks about resisting authority. I think it's one thing to constructively want to help and assist and bring ideas and, and constructively talk about what we can do to change things and get involved. I think it's another entirely different thing to be up slinging off, talking about anarchy, fanning the flames of division. There are divisions. That's not wrong. We can say that. I can say, listen, we know that there are many factions in our government. We know that there are divisions. But as believers, God doesn't allow us to be those that fan the flames of faction. He says, no. He says, I've put certain things in authority. He says, you can't change them by anarchy. You can change them by the policies that we've set in terms of the way our government works. Constitutionally, if we've constituted something, then that's lawful. But unlawful change brings damnation. Some of you are suffering under your own curse because you're resisting authority in an unlawful way. Now, you need to repent. Now, that doesn't mean that we, and, and, and you know, I, I can already see people tweeting. That's not, I'm not saying that we don't stand up for when there's injustice. I'm not saying we don't stand up and confront a bad policy. But there's a big difference between actively engaging and slinging off or covertly doing things or resisting with the view in mind of anarchy or overturning of authority. The word in the Greek is anti-tasomai. And it means to arrange oneself against, to oppose. And in effect, by opposing, opposing oneself, to resist. You see, we run the risk when we criticize or resist authority of resisting God because God put the authority in its place. And in so doing, we bring judgment upon ourselves. However... God does hear the prayers of his people. God does remove people from authority. And God, who put the person in authority or the government in authority, can also remove them from authority. God can do that. Proverbs 21, verses 1 through 4 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it wherever he wants. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Man, I read that and I'm thinking, God, you know what? I know you hate a proud look. But I also know that you direct the heart of the king. So I'm going to pray in alignment with that. You see, we know that our top leaders regularly operate under demonic activity, blood sacrifices, ancestral rituals, which are all forms of idolatry. When those in high office perform such rites, what they're doing is they're 
loosing demonic activity over the nation. What they're doing is they're setting up demonic strongholds. It is a nation's leaders that determines what happens in a nation. Just as it is in the home. It's the husband who determines what happens in the home. Ladies, you just missed a great chance to nudge your husband and say amen. But it's true. The head of a company or a business or a peristatal determines what happens in that company that he's been assigned to steward. If you steward it properly, if you learn how to do it properly, there's a blessing that begins to come upon your business, a blessing that begins to come upon your company, and an inheritance that will come over time, an inheritance of blessing. If you do it improperly, if you do it under demonic influence, you bring upon yourself and upon the company a curse, or upon your family a curse, or upon a nation a curse. The principle is this. Whatever is in the head affects the body. You know, when my kids were little, they used to always want to beat dad up. Dad, let's fight. Let's fight. I said, come, come on. And, and they would come madly swinging at me. But I knew that if I could control the head, I could control the body. And they were little enough that I could grab them by the head. Okay. And they'd swing. And i just hold their heads. Because what you do with the head controls the body. Well, so as it is in fighting with little kids, so it is in governments, so it is in homes, so it is in churches. That's why it's important that your pastor be growing and learning, that the headship of a leader in the church, you know, lives in such a way as to model Christ. If your pastor never repents, how are you going to repent? If your, pa if your pastor is so high and mighty that he never makes a mistake, then who is he? But if he lives his life amongst us, with us, is relatable. Yes, he's the head, but he's not perfect. How many perfect pastors do you know? Pastor Taz, put your hand down. You're close, but not quite, okay? Oh, that's your wife pulling your hand out. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> First Corinthians says it this way, chapter 10. It says, but I say that all things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? See, in Paul's time, you have to understand, Christianity was the only monotheistic, well, Christianity and Judaism, which Christianity came out of Judaism, was the only monotheistic religion in the world. Everything else was Ancestral worship. Everything else was kind of a pantheism, pantheism or, a, or, a, or a, a, a mythology that worshipped 
gods, many multitudes of gods, and these gods became very well known. In fact, you study them today. In fact, half of the merchandise in the world today are named after these gods. Amazon, Nike, these are all gods of mythology. And you're still worshiping, believe it or not. But can you, we do. If I took this off right there, here, there's a bite out of an apple. Do you read the Bible? It's not an apple, but it was a piece of fruit. They took a bite from the... Guys, it's, it's, it, it, one day you'll wake up and find out it's still there. It's still related. And what God's calling you and I to do is to walk free from idolatry. Walk free from the philosophies of this world. But these philosophies are coming more and more and creeping more and more into the church. Much of the gospel that is being preached today in the church is no more the gospel. There's no blood of Jesus. There's no name of Jesus. There's no authority of the believer. It's just be as good as you can be. Be the best you you can be. Be nice. Love everybody. Love everybody. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not love everybody. Yes, love is the greatest commandment, but it's not love everybody. God also says hate sin. I'll just tap your neighbor and say, I don't know what he's talking about. But you compromise yourself when you sacrifice to devils and then try to sacrifice to God. Every nation that exalts idolatry or practice ancestral worship above Almighty God suffers. Every nation suffers. The reason I know that our nation is practicing such evil is because how much we suffer. The richest nation in Africa, by far, every, every single book, every single report tells us so. Education beyond every means possible. I mean, gold wealth uncomparable, uh, mineral wealth, farming, you, you name it, water. We lack nothing, and yet what? We can't find ourselves getting out of debt. In fact, we keep going deeper and deeper into debt. That is, can only be one thing. Spiritual. It's only spiritual. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this. If my people, my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, humble, and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. You know, there's many families that have renounced their idols and their idolatrous practices. Oh, and by the way, let me just say this. This isn't just African people. Some of the greatest witchcraft that takes place is amongst European people. They practice through the Freemasonry, which is just another form of witchcraft. If you follow it through, it's all the trappings of witchcraft. And if you're prepared to study, if you're prepared to let your eyes open, you'll find out that there are actually a lot of people being influenced in this nation by Freemasonry. It was a Freemason stronghold. It still is in many ways. And it's all about control of financial systems. 
ultimately. And if you're in the club, you're well taken care of. But it's going to cost you. Now, nobody wants to talk about this stuff, but the fact is it's a form of witchcraft. It's a form of control. It's done in secret, just like many of the rituals that you guys do is in secret. Just tap your neighbor. Say, he's talking about you. He shouldn't talk about go-go like that. Tete. Well, come on. We, oh, no, no, we want the blessing of God, but, we, well, but, but we, don't want, we don't want to let go of all this stuff. And we get offended. I know, this is offensive to some of you. Oh, he doesn't understand our culture. I've been told that my whole life. I don't understand British culture. I don't understand African culture. I don't understand Portuguese culture. I don't understand Asian culture. But I'll tell you what I do understand. I don't understand American culture, that's for sure. I've lived here too long for that. But I do understand kingdom culture. And I do understand, and I can obviously see when kingdom culture is in place, the Bible says that the benefit of that is that the thief, demonic culture, Satan's culture is, the thief comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says kingdom culture is, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. So I don't have to look very far. I just have to look as far as the newspaper to find out that that isn't kingdom. I just have to talk to you a few minutes about how you manage your family and to find out that you're not living kingdom. Why am I talking like this? I'm postulating a problem so that I can give you a solution. You see, most religions of the world are nothing more than a form of idolatrous worship. And when you worship an idol, you give that idol or the demonic presence behind it power over you. It's kind of like selling your soul to the devil. Now, you may gain something in the short term, but you may lose something, and you usually do in the long term. Many of the ways that we approach the issues, however, is that we try to deal with the fruit rather than the root. We think that changing some of the fruit is going to change the root. But we need to go to the root. Blood sacrifices, which is idolatry, opens the door to murder, to theft, to violence, to destruction, to rape, to hatred. You know, if you go talk to many of these soldiers that were raping and beating and humiliating the population, you talk to them today. Well, you know, we really didn't want to do it. I don't know what got into us. You know, we just, we're just following orders. You know, you talk to them one-on-one -on -one when they don't have that mob, you know, thing that happens when you get a few men that have this, uh, this kind of made-up authority. They think that, they, that they, they, they actually believe in that moment that that's how you're supposed to treat people. 
Even though it's against the Constitution to sick the army onto our people. They're to defend the nation. Oh, but we had to do... See, you can explain anything away under a demonic influence. But then you come to your senses. Let me, let me take it this way. Every person in prison believes they're innocent. Yeah, yeah, I, I just don't know what happened. I'm not, that's really not who I am. I, I don't know why I murdered that person. Because a spirit came on you. A spirit of murder. You opened yourself up to demonic activity. A, a, a person filled with the grace of God, full of the Holy Spirit, doesn't murder people. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance, goodness. There is no law against that. So those of us that walk and live and abide in the Spirit, I never think about murdering. I never get angry enough to murder anybody. Okay. Can we just keep going? So what's the key for you and I that unlocks heaven and heaven's blessings and heaven's answers? Let me tell you what the key is. The key is always humility. Humility. The definition of humility is to assign a lower rank to something. To assign a lower rank to something. You know, one of the things I saw in myself is that as I became more powerful as a man of God, as we began to do more, you know, you can begin to believe your own advertising. Yes, the man of God has arrived. And, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I, 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 became, I began to think, well, listen, it's about the power of God. But it's not. Real power isn't a demonstration. Real power. I'm not saying demonstrations of God don't follow us or follow me. But the real power is in self-control, is in the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And out of the fruit of the Spirit, which requires great humility. The Bible says that Jesus, by his gentleness, became great. Jesus was the humble person. Moses was the meekest person on the earth. And then he did the greatest exploits. You see, the Bible warns us, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You see, demonic influence, when it drives a government, or when it drives a family, or a business, does so because its leaders, or the headship, is under deception. It takes great humility to be a great leader. Blood sacrifices always release mind-blinding spirits, spirits of confusion, and they even have the ability to blind people from the outside by the demonic influence that begins to perpetrate the atmosphere. I've sat down with people to counsel them. That's amazing. And you begin to talk to them and all of a sudden, your mind just goes, you think, what's going on here? But the mind-blinding spirit that has controlled their marriage or has controlled their family for so many years begins to bring a confusion to you. Now imagine trying to work with men who have 
dedicated themselves demonically and bring rational thought. It doesn't happen. You can't do it at the level of thought because it's not created at the level of thought. It's created in the level of the spirit. It has to be dealt with spiritually. Thank you for those three week. So today in the world, we see this manis, this we see this demonic confusion manifesting in all the forums of the world. Our rock stars and movie stars. Today they speak openly about being Satanists. They even, I mean, I don't know if you've watched the you know, some of the big shows and, and things, but more and more, these shows are displays of debauchery. In fact, many of the so-called entertainments today are nothing more than satanic rituals on stage for everybody to be a part of. This latest Super Bowl was nothing more than Maroon 5 standing in a circle with lights all around him, which is simply a satanic ritual on stage for everybody to see. And they're not denying it. It's in plain sight. Beyonce, she comes out and she says, yeah, I, I, I yield myself over to my alter ego, Sasha Fierce. She says, I have to sometimes come off stage and see my own performance and see what I did. Or what she did, it did. <laughs> it's a demonic influence, channeling demonic things. Come oh, come on, don't look at me like that. <laughs> you go to the witch doctor and what? You, you, you take the muti, you do the thing, you do the da, da, dee, da, da, and guess what? Somebody goes into a trance and they begin to channel a demonic spirit. You say, ooh, my ancestor's back. It's not your ancestor, it's a demon. Yes, but he knows so much about my family. Yes, it's called a familiar spirit. Family spirit. It's a familiar de demonic spirit. And it's not there to bless you. I'm going to tell you that right now. Many leaders, many stars are under the influence and the guidance of handlers. Some of them are mind controlled. They're controlled by fear. They're controlled by all kinds of things. You and I need to know what we're dealing with. You need to know where you're sending your children, what industries you're sending your children into. Because there are people who take advantage of our children. They take advantage of some of you. And you're no longer free to make decisions anymore. Because there's a fear in you that if I don't do what my handler says, if I don't do what the cult says, if I don't do what the, uh, the man of God sometimes says, so some of these things are nothing more than mind control, controlling you. That's why we hold you loosely in this church. We say, hey, we hold forth the word of truth. You can leave, when people leave the church, we just ask you, hey, just let us know you're going, that's all. But we don't come after you. If you leave, you'll be cursed. If you leave, God's going to kill you. God's not going to do anything. Do you understand? 
We're here because we love each other. We're here because we're building a community. We're here because we're trying to walk in the freedom of the spirit of Almighty God. There is no control. And if there's somebody that's called a pastor in our church and they're controlling you, they're manipulating you, or they're taking money from you, that's not God. And that's not our church. They're just doing it like they see other people do it. And it's not right. So call them out. Call them out on it. Come on. When you grow up in witchcraft, you learn how to manipulate like witchcraft. Even in the church it happens sometimes. But we've, we've got to break this, okay? So I believe that the secret to being kept from the wiles of the enemy is to remain humble. Stay hidden in Christ. Stay under the cover of the blood. Don't seek power. Seek Christ. The Bible, says, the Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. You know, when God raises you up, it's a lot better than if you keep raising yourself up. Amen. James 4 verse 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. One of the challenges that we face in the church here in Zimbabwe is a lack of unity. There's a lack of understanding of the areas that we're supposed to unify around. And I, I'm always shocked because, you know, there's all kinds of movements out there that say that they speak for the whole church. In fact, we have a lot of you that came to me during the latest political uh, election period. And I had many of you, and I'm not mentioning your names, but many of you that came and you were going to start Christian parties. Let's start a Christian political party. You can't do that. There is no such thing as a Christian political party. Now, you can start a political party and say we'll do our very best to adhere to Christian values. But the minute you say Christian political party, you've already isolated yourself from 99% of the body of Christ because we're going to say, which brand? Do you, dip, do you believe in baptizing three times or two times or one time? You know, and, and, you're, and, we, and the church is already divided on, on, on the way we interpret doctrine like you can't imagine. We've got one church over here and they believe in dipping three times into the Father, into the Son, and into the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, if you didn't get it that way, you're not baptized. Got another church, they believe if you only baptize into the name of Jesus only, one time, that's it. And if you didn't get it in Jesus' name, another church says, hey, if you didn't get baptized, you're not saved. You know what I say? I say the Bible teaches baptisms, and why don't we just agree that people need to be baptized? And then to the best of our ability, let's try to find Scripture and just follow it. And if you need to do it three times, God bless you. If you need to do it once, God bless you. But let's just say we believe in baptism. And let's get people baptized. And rather than form, let's just talk about, is it making a difference in your life? Are you becoming a better person? Did it, did, 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 did it, did it change you at all? Because you know what? Form without content is deception. Are we becoming better people? Uh, is, is Jesus living through me? Am I really being filled with the spirit of life? So what can the church agree on? 
Well, we should all be able to agree as the whole church on Scripture. Especially the basic tenets of what Christianity is about. You know, we believe in the, the Catholics believe and, and they declare the Apostles' Creed, but we also believe in the Nicene Creed, which was the early church father said, I believe in God. Do we all believe in God? The Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Man, let me tell you something. That, you, some of you grew up in church where they quoted this every Sunday. That was, good, that was good catechism. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten of a virgin. The only begotten of a virgin. Virgin birth. Do we all believe in that? Well, you can't be a Christian if you don't. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the sacrifice of the cross. I mean, there, there are like 12 or 15 tenets of the faith that we believe in. That's what makes us Christian. That's what we stand on. Not how many times you get dipped, not how many times you run around your car and, and confess and, 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 you know, not, not. Those are, those are the way you practice your faith. We have all kinds of ways of practicing our faith. You know, here, here in our church, we have an expression where we, we get a little bit loud in our worship. We love to sing. Ah, but when you go to the Anglican church, don't lift your hands up and shalalababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababab
and we need to agree on it. But it's not all of us getting together, becoming this big one church. God never meant there to be one big church. That's false teaching. I had a lady come one time and she was visiting. She wanted to preach and she wanted to do some stuff. I said, well, what church do you belong to? Oh, I belong to the universal church. I said, well, who's your pastor? Oh, no, no. I just believe that, you know, wherever I fellowship, I'm in charge. I mean, I'm... I'm I, that's kind of what her attitude was. You know, I can do whatever I want to. I want to sing. I said, no, you can't sing until I know who your pastor is. I want to know that you're under authority. I want to know if you do something crazy on my platform, I can call your pastor and say, hey, you got a nut here. <laughs> well, I believe in the universe. I said, well, then join the universal church. You see, God didn't create it that way. God said, no, he has local churches with local pastors, with local problems and local people that are working out their local issues with each other. And we've decided, hey, you know what, we're going to hang in here together. And I got a bunch of crazy uncles. How many of you know family's hard? How many of you know the person next to you is hard to live with? And that's your husband or your wife. But think about the next person who's family. Except my wife, baby, baby, my baby, I love you so much. I thank God we've never had one problem in our marriage, ever. <laughs> Praise the Lord, if you believe that, I have a piece of land to sell you. Hey, sweetheart, I know that we're almost perfect, but it took us 38 years to get there. Amen. Give us two more years, I'll have it perfected. <laughs> Amen. By the way, every morning, my wife and I, every morning of our life, we get up and our first routine is like six in the morning, she walks in and wakes me up. And guess what? On comes Jimmy Evans. You know who Jimmy Evans is? Marriage on the Rock. Well, he has all these videos. You just download them. And they're seven minutes long. So we usually listen to one. If she can push two, she does, and sometimes three, you know. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's doing great because it's reminding you of all the things you want to be as a husband, all the things we should be as good married couples. And, you know, I love it when he beats up on the wife. <sighs> Which is very few times. Yeah, usually he's just beating on the men. That's it. No, it's awesome. It's great. I, I recommend if you're married... Hey, take a few minutes every morning, listen to Jimmy Evans. Marriage on the Rock. Free advert for Jimmy. Amen. Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 3 says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the attitude we have. Let's not fight over non-essential doctrine. Let's not fight over our preferences. Let's not, let's, in lowliness, in meekness, long-suffering, forbearing each other in love, let's endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there is the place of power. God tells us that we have one faith. Well, our one faith is what we agree on in the Scriptures. We may never agree on all the doctrine, but we can believe in one faith. 
one core belief, one spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. You could tell somebody who lives in the spirit. I love it when I get together with other Christians. Have you ever been on a flight and you start talking to somebody and it's all about Jesus. It's all about, ooh, and, and, and it's all about the Bible. Until you ask the question, what church do you go to? It's amazing. Up until that question, we're having fellowship. The minute you declare, well, you know, I speak in other tongues. <laughs> that, they can't talk to you anymore. Oh, you, Why? Why? Up until, up until then, we were fine. Jesus, I love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What church do you go to? The one true church. The only church. <laughs> Which one is that? <laughs> Ours is the right church. Wait, 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 wait. How did you know? I, thought, I didn't know it was a church. I thought it was Jesus that got us into heaven, not church. All right. Unity is the place of power. I got to go fast now. Your, your clapping is too much today. Unity is the place of power. In the home, in prayer, in business, in the classroom, and even in government. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Why? For there is where he bestows the blessing. There. You know, we have to have an intimacy with God. God wants us to become intimate with him. We need to take time to draw near to him. James says, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw near unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We can't be double-minded. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve idols, ancestors. Let's, let's make up our minds. But as for us in the church, let's really make an effort to serve God. You can only hear God's voice clearly when you're close to God. You have to be near enough to God to hear his voice. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It says they don't follow the voice of another. They don't follow the voice of a stranger. There's one voice we follow, it's Jesus. We have to understand, then we have to understand if we're following him, how much authority that he's given to you and I, the body of Christ, the church. We've been called in this earth to enforce Satan's defeat. But if we don't enforce the defeat of our enemy, it'll not happen. Matthew 28 says this, and Jesus came and spoke unto them and said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. What is he telling us to? He says, go in my name. He says, I've given you some authority here. Anything you do in my name, I'll back it. Go in my name. You see, authority has been given to you as a believer so that you can go in the name of Jesus. If you have authority, some of you may not even know you have authority. Now, there's a difference between power and authority. We have put so much emphasis on power, we forgot about authority. Let me tell you something. How many of you have the power to stop one of these big 18-wheel trucks? Driving down the highway. 
No, none of you could. But you know what? There are a few of you in this church that have the authority to do it. You're a policeman. A policeman can step out. Well, they used to be able to. I'm not sure they could do this anymore. We used to respect our policemen, but, but a policeman can step out in his uniform and do this. And that truck will stop. Not because of his power, but because of his authority. Even today, policemen can stand in an intersection and if the light is red, they can still wave you through and stop the guys on the green light. Because why? Because they have the power or because they have the authority. And their authority is greater than the traffic light or the stop sign. That's what God says about you. He says, I've given you authority in earth over the powers of darkness, over the powers of the enemy, but many Christians don't use their authority. They didn't even know they had that authority. But God needs his children, his sons and daughters, because God needs a voice in the earth to release his power. So how do we release God's power? Number one, we speak. Do you want to come back next week and get the rest of the message? Okay. It's 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Ah. Five points. Got five points. Come back next week. I'll tell you those five points. How much authority you have. How to use the authority. How, how God equipped you with authority. And you guys running around looking for power. God says, wait a minute. I give you all authority over the power of the enemy. When you start learning how to use your authority, it'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll change our church, I can tell you right now. I believe it'll change our nation. And I want to apologize because I think sometimes we majored on power and not on authority. And although we've taught this for years and years and years, Now's the time again. Some of you finally grown up enough to say, you know what? I realize, I realize what God's doing on the inside of me. Now's my time. And you're ready to step up and step into your authority in Christ. You're willing to step away from the machinations of darkness. I know there's some of you who still toy with the ancestral traditions terrible place to toy so much at stake it's so demonic so demonic and you know how I know look at the fruit of it the fear God's not given us a spirit of fear but of love of strength and a sound mind the intimidation look how much intimidation God doesn't intimidate God doesn't intimidate you a man of God doesn't intimidate you in fact the way we work is we appeal to you we give an appeal say, I'm holding forth the word of truth to you. You can reject it or you can accept it. But it's your free will. I can't change your will. I can't dominate another human being. That's witchcraft. Witchcraft dominates somebody else. If you don't do what I tell you to, what? what? What's going to happen? What's going to happen if you don't do what I tell you to? Now, there may be consequences to not receiving good counsel. But it's not a curse not a manipulation. 
It's not domination. It's not control. Are you listening? By the way, some of you just got a taste right now. This is what we start dealing with in the equipping track. And we go drilling deep into it. Some of you need to get that equipping track. Say, I got to get this back in my spirit again. Some of you forgot some of this stuff. Some of you have never heard it. You got to get into the equipping track. If you haven't signed up, I know you didn't take the card. Run back there, get one and say, you know what? I, something, I'm getting something triggered in me today. Let's do it. Can we do it? I really wanted tonight or today to get to those five points because one of those things is dealing with the iniquity. And I really wanted to break that today. Can I tell you something? We're going to teach you how to get that iniquity off your life. We're going to teach you how to get that iniquity off our nation. I think there's enough people right here if we start speaking truth. Stay in unity. We can break the back of demonic activity. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here. Father, I'm praying right now, especially for those who are struggling in their mind. They grew up a certain way. They see it a certain way. And this threatens them. It makes them fearful. It makes them uneasy. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would move by your Holy Spirit. I bind mind-blinding spirits in the name of Jesus. I come against every mind-blinding spirit. I come against every spirit of intimidation. I come against every spirit of control and manipulation. And I bind your influence over this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, I declare that your angels... Work on behalf of those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Send your angels, Lord. Whatever you do to get angels active in our lives, we ask for it. Father, we ask you also, you would forgive us. We stand before you. We ask you to forgive us for our anarchy, whether it's in our heart, in our deeds, or in our thoughts. Father, we refuse to just sling off against our leaders. We pray for them instead. Yes, we pray that you would save them. We pray like Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips, living amongst the people of unclean lips. Woe is me, I'm undone. But Father, we stand in behalf of those in leadership that are undone. They are, woe is them, they're undone. They don't know what to do. We can see it, they cry out. They're asking for help. They don't know, they're blinded demonic activity Father for the covenants of darkness that have been spoken over our nation we ask you to forgive us Father for the covenants of darkness that we've made emotionally sexually physically spiritually whatever those things are that have compromised us God would you forgive me would you forgive us as a church Father where we entered into things that were we thought they were you. They thought they were powerful. But Father, we realized that we had power without authority sometimes. God, we don't want that. We love when you show up. We love your presence. We hide ourselves in you. We ask that you would be lifted. That you would be glorified. That we would see your mighty hand at work. Holy Spirit, 
we step back and we say, please have your way in our house. Have your way in your church. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen watch in vain. Oh, Lord, we just repent today. We just say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for our pride, our haughtiness. We know all the answers. We know. I know. Father, I don't know. I don't know. Guide me. Teach me the next steps. What I knew, I submit it to you, Lord. I want to know you. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you. As a church, we lay down what we knew. And we say, refresh our eyes. Refresh our hearts. Refresh our minds. Let this word of God come alive to us again. Restore us to that first love. Restore us to those days where we just couldn't get enough. Father, for our fellowship with each other, let it go deep. Help us to love each other. For our marriages, oh, Lord, help us to confront and deal with things in love. Becoming the married couples you want us to be. For our families, you said that you would restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. God, we just received that today. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God today. We just humble ourselves. Let's start there today. Wherever you're at, if you say, you know what, I, I, I'm willing to humble myself today. I'm willing to bring my heart under today. I'm willing to make the steps to say, God, I'm not going to be all-knowing. I'm going to let you be all-knowing. I'm not going to be all-powerful. I'm going to let you be powerful. I'm willing to submit. Wherever you're at, just stand. Just say, I'm, I'm willing to submit today. I'm willing to be humble. I'm willing to humble myself under the mighty hand of God that he might lift me up. No more self-exaltation. No more striving, but hidden in Christ. Hiding in you, Lord. Finding myself in the cleft of the rock. Running into my strong tower. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my bulwark. You're my shield. You're my... God, I hide under the shadow of your wings, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for exalting myself. Forgive me for thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. Tonight, today, we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this church? Teach us your word. Give us fresh eyes to see it. Give us fresh hearts. Give us a fresh spirit. May this equipping track be the best ever. Father, may our conversation over lunch today be one of edification and strength and blessing. And blessing our leaders and praying for them, Father, that the demonic covenants that they've made, they'd come to their senses and they would repent. Oh, God, that we who have practiced demonic covenants would repent. Knowingly or unknowingly, our sins of omission, Father, the things we do, we call it entertainment, but Father, you know what? It's a compromise that we know. And today we say, forgive us. Help us, we pray. Now, I just can't help but feel like there's some of you here that you say. Thanks for listening. 
For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.